0: Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Maximize your leadership potential and professional advancement and be inspired. We're delighted to be your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development from a women in business perspective. We share our original research, explore industry and workforce trends and interview female executives, allies, and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things women in business, leadership challenges, talent management, organizational development, change management, and diversity and inclusion.
1: Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. In this WBIL podcast episode, Dr. Kelly Hall talks with Shelly Johnson as part of the Women in Business Leadership Speaker Series.
0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dr. Kelly Hall. I'm a faculty member in the Woodbury School of Business. And on behalf of the Woodbury School and UVU's Women's Success Center and our executive ed team, we are so glad that you can participate in tonight's Women in Business Leadership Series. Um, Before we get started, just a couple logistic items. Um, If this is your first event that you're attending with us, Um, Just make note that your microphone um, and your video are currently disabled, and that just helps us to minimize some background noise and distractions. But we want you to engage, so if you have questions, feel free to submit those questions using the Q&A feature at the bottom of the screen. Um, And then as time allows at the end, if you have a question you want to pose verbally, Um, You can raise your hand using the raise hand feature, and I'll be sure to get your mic turned on uh, so that you can ask um, your question directly to our guest, Shelly. And I'm absolutely delighted to introduce you to Shelly Johnson. Uh, Shelly is an Executive Vice President of Operations, Risk, and Strategy at Zion's Bank. And throughout her career, she has amassed a wealth of knowledge Um, in finance and credit risk and underwriting, uh, compliance and regulatory policies, and, of course, the reason why she's here tonight, uh, leadership. Uh, Shelly has an MBA from Westminster, and she also holds certifications in Lean and Six Sigma. She stays very active in our community through board and uh, committee memberships and she is an absolute delight to spend time with and to learn from, and so we're going to give you the chance to do exactly that. Uh, Shelly, thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight. I really appreciate having you here.
1: Thanks, Kelly, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and to share my journey of what it's like to be be in a business career. Awesome. Well, I guess let's start there if you don't mind.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about um, why you chose business as your career path and how it is that you found your way to Zion's Bank?
1: Sure, I'd love to share that. You know, um, the reason why I chose business happens to come from experience. So if I back up back to my college days, um, and I'll just that this timeline is really starts from college graduation until where I am now. But you know, after I graduated um, and I got into the real world and I had needed to find a job, they wanted practical experience, which I had none. And I'll talk a little bit about my my bachelor's degree in a second. Um, But the experience that I did have was in finance. And so um, the jobs that I ended up getting was with a finance company. Years later, I ended up working for an oil and gas company. Um, And it gave me a really great background in accounting and finance, um, financial analytics. And so that really started things along the financial path and and just in finance in general. Um, That company that I worked for ended up being purchased by British Petroleum. And unfortunately, um, due to to some negligence, um, you know, I found myself being laid off. Um, because of what had happened with the company, and they ended up laying off a lot of the satellite offices. And so I found myself looking for another job and almost starting a second career, um, but realizing that um, you know, I needed to be more competitive and round out, and I'll tell you what my degree is in, it's in communications and psychology. And so it's not tied to necessarily finance. But I ended up going back to Westminster, as you, you know introduced, and I got my MBA to round out that gap of what I needed or felt that I needed to be competitive in the market. And then I looked for um, a company that I felt that was uh, really open to diversity, um, somewhere where I could find a long-lasting career and even retire with, retire with. And so I was very intentional when I was looking for that, that new job. But um, I finally found that with Zion's bank and I felt that the diversity was there. Um, I knew that I could, you know, talk about those, that experience with credit to get my foot in the door. And, and that's where I ended up today. Now, operations, risk, and finance, there there's a lot of um, crossover and discussion, um, but it's a job that I, that I enjoy. And so, you know, having a degree in um, let's say business, and that's a, a wide emphasis, right? There's a lot of different emphasis when, when we say business. But with finance and underwriting, you know, I was able to, to find um, that balance. It's, it's, finance is very uh, methodical, it's analytical. And for those of you who like everything to add up nicely, two plus two is four instead of seven, it's, it's a career that you, you will like, that won't drive you crazy. Um, but I find that you know is something that I'm really good at and that I like to do, Kelly.
0: Thank you. Um, so, you know, following that transition and you know your time at Zion's, you obviously uh, you know had a lot of success. And um, when you think about success, um, how do you define that? And what stands out in your mind as far as big moments that have contributed to to your success?
1: Great question. I, you know, when I think about success, I think of myself at maybe two different ages or experience levels. Um, I think of my younger self when I was in my twenties, I think about success as being climbing the corporate ladder, um, the type of job that I have, the the EVP title, the salary and things like that. Um, It's interesting as I've had the opportunity now to be an executive, how I measure success and what those moments are defined as. And, you know, success, I'm going to define it as intrinsic success, or it's not necessarily visible to everyone. You know, um, success in my book is the person, is when someone or an employee comes up to me and says, I would love for you to be my mentor in this program. Um, or it's an example of women asking me to help me prepare a conversation to overcome an obstacle with my manager. Um, that's always been, you know, that success to me. Um, thank you notes from colleagues. I actually I have those in my office and I save them in a vase just to remind me of what success looks like. Um, you know, it's also being an ally in our company. Um, it's being asked to lead special projects, recognizing the experience in operations, um, and just my work work ethic that way.
0: Thank you. Um, so clearly a lot feeding into your success and a lot of things that are really personally meaningful to you, um, as you, you know, look back on your career experiences this far and lessons you have learned. So maybe things that, you know, didn't work out so well, um, what are some of the key lessons that you have learned along your journey?
1: Well, let me share just a couple of short stories, um, you know one of them it really has to do with remembering who you are and i think you know given what's been in the the media and what happened at the oscars i'm sure we all remember that it's it's something a little bit similar i was um it was a christmas time and i was in the parking garage and um if you know city creek it takes a while and a maze to get out um as well as multiple gates and at the very last gate there's about four of them that you have to go through and everybody just kind of is courteous and takes their time. Well, I was on one of the gates and it happened to be my turn as I was exiting. And there was a young girl who decided it was her turn to exit. And she laid on the horn and I slammed on my brakes and rolled down the window because I was going to let her have it. And at that moment, I just, I started rolling down the window and I just thought, remember who you represent, remember who you are. And I rolled up the window. I don't know what I would have actually said or done, but it's, you know, it's moments like that where we just constantly need to remember, you know, that we're not that type of person. There's moments where we all get bottled up and we get, you know, angry and frustrated at different moments, but we represent, need to represent the company, um, you know, and and we don't want one, one act to define us. You know, um. Another lesson that I've learned in in DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, that I've helped sponsor in the company along with many other individuals here at Science Bank, you know, we talk a lot about male allies and we certainly need their support, definitely. But there have been challenges in my professional experience where I've encountered probably a lot of obstacles with women. And I think that's where women need to recognize that they need to be allies with, with each other. Um, you know, we need to be more conscious about how we support each other in the workplace. Um, we have so much wisdom and experience. I think that we can um, learn so much from each other if we can just allow each other to be more teachable and more approachable that way, Kelly. But those are just a couple of lessons that I've learned that, that I've experienced that you know I'd, I would probably star up there as some of those, those lessons.
0: Well, those are absolutely valuable. Thank you so much. Um, you mentioned that you have this vase in your office with notes from your colleagues. Um, so, can you tell me how you think your colleagues might describe your leadership style, or how would you describe it? Um, and how do you think you lead in your organization and community?
1: Sure. So, so there's traits on how we lead, and then actually the style. And you know, after I took. Um, the women's leadership program and we went through that process of going through our Clifton strengths. Um, I really feel like those words that Clifton uses are really more you know they're they're empowering words that we use so some of mine that I had so if I were to describe my leadership traits you know they'd be strategic, analytical, um, being a relator, deliberative um, you know and and also an arranger And so those are some of the traits I lead by. And, and, you know, those define being collaborative. Those define, um, you know, working collaboratively as well. But those are some of the traits just just to break these out. But the leadership styles, I used to think that um, coming up and being a manager, you had to choose kind of one leadership style that was kind of your, you know, how you led. But as the more that I manage, um, I've found that, based on, you know, the initiative or the program, you're going to use all sorts of leadership styles to accomplish your goals. Um, A lot of times the projects that I lead, they're, they're large. Um, There's a lot of urgency and, and there's a lot riding on it. And so a lot of times, and we say, you know, I use the word authoritative and some people might say, oh, that's, that, that's not how you want to lead. Well, it, it, I want to get away from that. It just depends on on again, the urgency in your time frame that needed to be done. So sometimes it's uh, authoritative, other times it's more democratic, other time it's more collaborative when we have time to be able to get everyone's input and buy-in that way. So it just depends on, on the project at hand, Kelly, on what my leadership style is.
0: Thank you. Um, so you just made reference to a lot of big projects. So this is actually um, kind of a tie-in to a question that we got from the audience, um, which is, in your role as an EVP, what does your typical day look like? What do you spend the majority of your time doing?
1: That's a great, que- that's a great question and, and a great way to find out if you want to be an EVP. Um, I'm going to say a lot of times we are dealing dealing with escalations or final sign-offs. So for example, I've been very involved with the Small Business Administration PPP program and and so we're dealing with um, a lot of borrowers who may not be happy or are happy um, with the outcome of their decisions. So a lot of times I'm reviewing that and that probably takes up, you know, a fourth of my day the other fourth of my day is just going through escalations through emails since i help uh manage some of the commercial a portion of the commercial loan operations for the bank um and so it's just you know again reviewing those and determining determining if they deserve the um it's usually a, a what we call a silver bullet to be able to move through the loan process um but it's reviewing policy it's reviewing risk a lot of times we're reviewing a risk and determining if it's something that we need to escalate for the bank but that's something that's in my um, responsible amongst my responsibilities to be able to to review and and again talk those over with the CFO and 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 the CEO to determine if that's something we need to um, bring to our compliance or our regulators that way but a lot of times it's, it's email and it's communication. So, so when you say you don't like to write in, in college, all those papers that you wrote, I bet a large portion of my job is writing and communicating um, with colleagues in the bank, building partnerships, having phone conversations. Yes, phone conversations. Um, I will try, try to pick up the phone and just have a conversation with them versus just over over to over teams.
0: Thank you. And it sounds like a lot of what you just described there probably does leverage, uh, you know, the knowledge and the skills that you develop even in your undergraduate studies, even though it wasn't in business. Certainly, um, there's a connection to the things that you just described there. Um, Oftentimes, we may, you know, put a lot of focus on trying to, to land, you know, the perfect job. Um, But perhaps there's less focus put into really trying to craft our dream career. Um, So how do you guide your career into a dream career? Um, And what are your tips around that topic?
1: Well, I really like that question. Um, You know, at the beginning, when I was talking about being intentional about finding a job with science and looking for just the right company... Um, I was looking for a company where I saw a lot of opportunities. Um, And if you worked really hard, I thought, you know, you never know day to day what may happen or what openings might come up. And that's exactly um, how I see Zion. You never know what, how things change organizationally. Um, And if you're ready for that opportunity, how you can then either apply. Um, But when, you know, when you want to make opportunities happen um, and being intentional about that, it's create, when I say create an opportunity, for example, don't wait for the opportunity to land in your lap. I say, you know, if you meet someone in the elevator, and then this is kind of funny, I used to always say, what, what, would, what would I say to Harris Simmons, who's our Bancorp CEO, or what would I say to an executive if they were in the elevator with me? And it happened several times, and I would just introduce myself um other opportunities or creating that dream career is having those conversations with your manager making sure that that's um transparent they understand where you want to be ask them how can i be you know how can i achieve that and understanding your company's succession planning um, from there and understanding to the timeline i think you know we we focus so much on being that executive sometime and I think employees need to understand that there's, there's only a small percentage at the very top and there's not always that turnover. And there's still a lot of fulfillment um, and that you can achieve within your own career where you're at. Maybe it's laterally. Um, but again, have those conversations with your manager on how that can be achieved. But, you know, plug those ideas to your manager as well, Kelly. I think that that's a lot of times um, how I found success. You know, I... I talk about, um, you know, I came into a credit position here with Zions Bank, but I ended up um, applying for a role with the CFO, Kay Hall, and I was in that job doing risk primarily for the bank for several years. But I was able to finally share with him, you know, um, an idea of what would it take for me to be an executive. And so I had to convince him and as well as Scott Anderson on what that might look like. And so sometimes it's planting that seed far in advance without the expectation that's going to happen overnight. Um, But with due time, you know, I was promoted to an executive. And I think that's where you can really just take the reins and try to control your direction or trajectory of where you want to end up. But it's having that conversation, um, working really hard. Um, and just, and again, not expecting success overnight.
0: Thank you. Um, so I imagine going into a conversation like that, you know, certainly there's a lot of vulnerability tied into that. It takes courage to do that. Um, it, how did you approach that? Um, if someone is wanting, you know, maybe they're not you know, positioning themselves yet for an executive VP role, but they want to have that kind of conversation with their manager, um, what would be, you know, perhaps a framework or some approach that they could use to initiate that conversation?
1: Well, there, let's just say there's a lot of planning that goes into it. It's not something that you walk into your manager's office and you and you, you just, you know, you say, let's just talk about this idea. Um, It it took a while for me, me, again, to phrase those conversations, you know, to make it what I thought was perfect. Um, It's anticipating what you think he's going to ask you in return. It's having that information, that backup, um, being able to defend your qualifications. Um, You know, again, a lot of conversation around, around that, but I think what would be really good for those of any of you on the line that might be anticipating that is to, to share that with a close colleague. Um, even, even some of you might be able to talk about that with your manager if you're planning on succession. I think some of the greatest compliments are when my employees that I have trained move up and out, move up and out to another, another position because of their qualifications. And while I hate to move them, I know it's because they're doing exceptionally well um, in the bank. And it just it benefits the bank overall when that happens. But bounce that off some of your close colleagues. That's why I say be allies with other women. I think women have the ability to be really honest amongst each other um, and give some really great, you know, positive criticism that way.
0: Thank you. Um, It's evident through some of the stories that you've shared um, as well as some of the support that you garnered uh, through social media that you have a good network of uh, people who support you. Um, when you think about your network and how you have built it and how you leverage it, um, can you share any tips uh, to, to those listening on how to go about doing that in an effective way?
1: Sure. So and, and this is probably another lesson learned when I when I left BP um, and I thought that, you know, this is a company I'm going to, going to retire with. There is no need for me to network. Um, I was, I was so wrong and I'll never make that mistake again. Um, Coming into Zion's, I did what I could to network with other individuals um, through the Risk Management Association. I'm sure every business has an association or a local chapter um, that they can join in order to network and for things to be visible that way. Um, But a lot of that has to do with, you know, again, building partnerships um, and and having those additional conversations.
0: Um, another question uh, from the audience here: um, What do you think are uh, some of the best ways that we can help women advance into leadership roles in the workplace and in the community?
1: Well, I know that there's a lot of data around um, women. Women in in a company look for similar women for example, women of color in in those executive positions. And so they want to see those similar examples. And I know that, um, you know, for marginalized group, let's talk about marginalized groups for a second. Um, You know, we want to be able to have diverse, you know, executive leadership that way. And I think those are conversations that take place. I mean, there's a lot of movement and and a lot of coordination for that, for that to happen. But in, in general, if you're looking for, um, women to become, for them to be, you know, in that, those leadership project, uh, positions it's setting up that those succession planning so that we can make that happen, but those succession plans those happen over three to five years, sometimes sooner if there's an opportunity, but again, those are really long term Kelly. Um, but I think if you know your manager is aware of what you'd like to be able to achieve for your career, you know it's something that can happen if you're qualified to do it.
0: Thank you um. Can you share with us? Um, I know I've, I've had a chance to learn from you, and I know that you have a lot of kind of personal mantras for success. Um, some of those have kind of come out through your stories. Um, some of them haven't. What are your mottos that really keep you moving as a leader and as uh, a successful woman in business?
1: So, Kelly, that's thanks for that question. That it was actually a lot of fun for me to try to put those together, and I found the the longer that I've worked and the more my experience, the longer my list of mantras. And so I encourage you all to start to put together your own list of your own you know mantras for success. But the ones that stick out to me is, is when we touched on this a little bit is don't wait for the opportunity, make the opportunity happen. And if you don't know how to go about doing that, again, talk to colleagues. Um, And and find a sponsor, an experienced sponsor, another man or woman within the organization that can help you understand the culture, understand kind of the the hierarchy um, of management and how how, um, succession works within an organization. I think that they can present a lot of opportunities and a lot of um, ways to meet people that can benefit you in your career. Um, another one of the mantras that I like is be intentional by communicating with your manager about your career goals. And we, t- we talked about that, ways that you can become an exec- executive or, or be um, promoted at some point during your career. And then, you know, be clear about the goals and how you want to, to develop those. I think a lot of people or employees might wait. Um, for those, again, for those opportunities. But if your, your manager doesn't know about those or how, how you want to be developed personally, we won't see that happen. And I know that within Zion, there's a lot of opportunity to make that clear and to outline that for every employee. Um, one thing I haven't talked about necessarily is decide in advance how you'll respond to different experiences. And so I think, you know, and that really ties in to um, remember who you are as well. But I think if you try to anticipate some different scenarios, you know how, the, how you're going to react to them, you know how you're going to be as a leader. Um, you can make decisions there for your team um, and s- instead of, you know, kind of being on the fence about different things. But I think that makes you a stronger leader when you anticipate those experiences in advance. Um, one other mantra that I, I'm thinking about, Kelly, that, that I like that... Um, that I try, try to practice is allowing others to have similar opportunities for success. I know that, for example, in our executive meetings, I could, I could always talk about certain topics, um, but there's, that's an opportunity for someone on my team to come in and to present that and to have an opportunity to network with executives. And there's not always those opportunities. So I try to, again, allow other opportunities of success for, for my team and for employees.
0: And it shows, right? Because you have a base of thank yous in your office. Um, but I'm sure probably not you know, every day at the office um, is so rosy and you've probably had some hiccups along the way. Um, can you think of you know, any instances where perhaps you've experienced conflict at work and how do you approach the other person um, when there is that conflict?
1: Well, I know nothing good comes out of being reactive, and what I say and what I mean by that is, um, after immediately reading an email, uh, perhaps misinterpreting it, it, is responding back immediately. Once you've done that, it's 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 um, it's permanent. I usually tend to like to just wait, wait, you know, whether it's twenty four or forty eight hours. Um, sometimes to respond until I can. Um, I want to say respond in in a way that that's understood. And and usually when I when I usually it's conflict, not directly in a face to face meeting. It comes over email. And so many times I've I've known, you know, don't don't react to it. Don't read it with feeling. If it's been misinterpreted, just call the person. Like I said, I like to just pick up the phone and call people and just say, is this what you meant? Um, A lot of times it wasn't even even um they didn't mean to create any sort of conflict and i maybe i shouldn't have even uh, interpreted the way that i interpreted it as um so there's a lot of opportunities for clarification that way um but just let it let it sit um, remove the feeling out of it remember your end goal um, and just have the conversation
0: thank you so much um so we have um some more questions that are coming in um, from the audience so Um, One of those um, questions, have you noticed any patterns um, in the workplace as it relates to women at work relative to men at work? And of course we wanna be careful not to generalize here, but just based on your personal experiences, um, have you noticed any patterns from which uh, you can draw insight?
1: Well, if we're talking about um, cultural behavior, are we talking about um, how men and women think? I mean, there's a lot of different interpretations for for that question, Kelly. I do think that men and women they might handle um, things a little bit differently. You know, we had at Zion's uh, um, some training from Barbara Annis, who's a, a big gender intelligence um, guru and an expert who talks about men and women think unlike. Um, And they go about women think collaboratively, men think independently. I think there are different traits, but I wouldn't necessarily assign them to necessarily all women or all men. Because I know, for example, that in in those aspects, I might have more masculine traits and and, and vice versa. Um, But I think what you have to remember as far as male and female behavior is what's professional in the, in the workplace, and I'm not sure, Kelly, if that's kind of where the question was going um, as far as interaction, but I have found that, you know, and I'll speak to Zions, that I've had just positive conversations from, from either, either side and always support um, and always from a place of understanding, um, and that's one of the places why I've continued to stay here at Zions Bank, so hopefully that helps, you know, explain, explain that.
0: Thank you so much. Um, So, another question from the audience. Um, Someone's seeking a little bit more elaboration on um, the idea of women being allies to other women. So, what do you think are um, some ways in which uh, we can
1: engage in that? So, when you think about being an ally, you know, um, it's, I am interpreting that as being a spokesman for that group whether it's for you know women or a marginalized group, it's it's being able to represent them. It's 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 offering that support. Um, you know, so so being an ally for women, I think that we can continue to be supportive. Um, and, and, and to speak highly, highly of people. I think that we don't, we might be thinking that in our mind, but we don't always verbalize that within our own teams or acknowledge the job well done. I think that we can always do more, uh, to, to support that in, in the workplace.
0: Thank you. Um, so you've made, uh, several references to, um, how you were drawn to Zion's, um, can you elaborate on um, how you or other leaders in your organization really uh, communicate um, the organization's values in the workplace.
1: Sure, um, you know, a lot of that is done through our diversity, equity and inclusion program. We have our own guiding principles. Um, you know, it's something that Zions has practiced for, for over 12 years now formally um, from our grassroots um, business resource forums. Um, but, you know, we, we talk, talk about those things as, as leaders, um, we have a great, great CEO and executive team who emphasize those, you know, whether it's introducing them in a meeting, um, introducing those in an email, I mean they really take the lead in introducing those operating principles guiding principles. Um, Whether it's for business or for diversity equity inclusion Kelly so it's something that we're repeating over and over again, not not for everyone to just totally be familiar with but because we actually believe in them. And we want employees to understand that, you know, um, you know, we follow these principles here at science bank. Thank you.
0: Um, so here's a question around uh, the job search and hiring process. Um, when you are faced with two equally qualified candidates, um, how do you go about determining who to hire?
1: Well, wow, that's a hard one. I think that we've all been been in that scenario. Um, and that's where sometimes uh, you know it's, it's calling in and having a second interview and having a second, a second you know decision on that. Um, you know, I, I, think it comes down to, to, you know, you could be the same on paper, but I think you also need to be able to have those face-to-face conversations. And hopefully, um, you know, now that, you know, COVID is declining that those face-to-face interviews and how you interact as not only with your manager, but also possibly with your team, um, you know, can kind of make that, deciding decision on that but you know there's a lot of opportunities for other decisions you know if you're having a challenge challenging time deciding that.
0: Thank you so much um, and is there something uh, that you have seen people engage in a behavior or characteristic that can really be um, you know a derailer for for their success?
1: I I do and it's it's, it's not uh, mind-blowing. It's, it's people's attitudes. It comes down to attitude. I will take someone with a positive attitude um, and less experience because I know I can train that person. But if you have someone that even has all the experience in the world and they don't have the attitude or uh, the motivation to, to, you know, to do the job, I mean, it really plays into poor performance. So again, it's, just, it's, it's as simple as attitude.
0: Thank you so much. Um, can you share with us um, some things that you do to continue to grow and develop as a leader?
1: Yes. Uh, you know, one of the things, and and I say this is painful, but I think it's necessary as a leader, is we do 360 reviews here at the bank. Um, we actually went through this exercise about two years ago, and it's getting the feedback. For those of you who don't know what a 360 review is, it's when you... Reach out to—it's uh, about you know ten to twelve close colleagues um, that represent your organization, and they give you feedback on a number of set questions. Um, and it's and, and it and it builds um, and critiques you on your performance on communication, and it's on a number of things. But it can also offer you know feedback that you wouldn't normally get in day to day dialogue. Um, and I know that that can help. Um, I want to say it's not always changing behavior, but changing um, maybe how you're going about with your operations um, or or help how you're dealing with day to day dynamics with individuals on their team and how things are approached. But it gives valuable feedback in order to make certain changes.
0: Thank you so much. Um, So a question about mentorship here. Um, so have you had a strong mentor? And if so, um, did you seek that person out or did it happen organically? What kind of impact did they have on you?
1: I, you know, my mentorship has happened organically um, through it just having to be my, my current manager. Um, you know, I am, I one of the things I like to do within an organization and in a place of business is to watch, watch the behavior of people, watch how leaders that I admire and how they handle different situations. And, you know, and this individual who is my manager, he always has a solution. He always knows how to, or knows how to phrase something just right in a way that he can communicate something negative so that it's amicable to to everyone. And I I have a lot of um, respect for people in those positions that can do that. It's something that I would love to be able to do someday, you know, if faced with some of the the same, you know, um, the same scenario. Thank you so much. Um, And we have a question here. Um,
0: How do you help um, your employees really understand and become part of your
1: organization's culture? So every, and and let me separate that every every division or every team might be a little bit different. And my team has certainly been on, um, we are still working remotely in, in that aspect. And so it's very hard sometimes to drive everything that we used to do in person. And and I hope that at some point we will be coming back to the office to a new tech center that I'm really excited about, and we'll be able to deal with that face to face interaction. I think that that's something that can't be that can't be replaced necessarily. I think people can still be productive, but I think they lose some of that again, um, just the, the camaraderie, um, and, and just some of the the a little bit of the motivation that you might feel being in person. Um, but we can help drive that. You know, I help drive that through we had, you know, there's different t- weekly team meetings. Um, you know, once we're in our tech building, I'll start to go out there on a more frequent basis. You know, and I try to spend the day with them. This is old pre pandemic. Um, you know, so, so not as current, but something that I hope to do again, just to build again that camaraderie and motivation for the team, Kelly.
0: Thank you so much. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing leaders today?
1: Wow. Well, I think I think there's a an, 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 a number of things, and one of those, of, as we've all lived through, is just just the the question that was before that, is keeping employees motivated to do their job, keeping them feeling um, like they're a part of a team. You know, working in this digital um, interf- interface, um, you know, it's it's it, making sure people don't misinterpret what's said, um, you know, along the DEI lines, um, making sure that we're saying things that are politically correct that way and they aren't offensive. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of challenges facing leaders today to be, I want to say, say almost almost perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think it prohibits us from maybe being being more genuine that way. Um, I hope that we can try to find a balance as leaders um, that that works for all of our employees, if that makes sense. Thank you so much. Um, Early in our
0: talk, you talked about going through a transition and a layoff. Um, so, what would be your recommendation to people who are going through similar big transitions? Um, what were some of the things that helped you through that?
1: Well, I think layoffs are personal, um, depending on how long you've worked for the company. So, you know, it's really—I think—you need to learn. My experience has been learned to take the feeling out of it. It's hard when you've been dedicating, dedicated hours and hours to a company that way because it does feel personal. Um, at the end of the day, it's a decision that's been made. Um, my experience has been I've always landed in a better position. Um, that happened with BP and American Express, where I had a layoff. Um, and, and so going through it the first time, I can totally understand the emotion that's there. Going through it a second time, um, totally, is just it was just a process. And I knew that there would be another opportunity. I think that a lot of people just need to trust that, you know what? They will find a great another opportunity of employment somewhere else and and but it does help if you have that network. And, you know, if you remember I I first didn't network, and so it was much more challenging so have that network and it'll be easier, um, you know, to, to find employment or, or to find a contact.
0: Absolutely. So, great tip there. Building your network before you need it is so critical, um, and especially in that situation where you're facing a layoff. Um, So, a final question here, um, and you've already shared so many tips along the way, um, but do you have any additional tips or strategies for someone who might be entering a leadership position for the first time?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've mentioned, remember who you are. I think for those leadership opportunities, you just need to find your own, uh, you know, a lot of times your, your, your own, I'll say groove, your own groove on, on how you're going to lead. But I think it's anticipating on how you're going to react. Um, I think a lot of people that are in leadership opportunities, you know, they've had an opportunity to observe a, a favorite leader or to be, have a mentor. Um, usually these are senior management roles. And so they've had some experience to that. But I think that, you know, again, anticipate how you're going to react, anticipate what's to come, Um, don't be reactive. I know sometimes that's hard to avoid, but I think a lot of times that um, by that anticipation, you'll be able to, you'll know what to say. Um, It's okay too, as a leader to say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer that, but let me get back with you. I think that if we can listen to with with empathy and just practice listening, I think that that also adds to being just a, a great leader. Um, to be able to, you know, it's it's a it's a new it's a new skill for a lot of people because it's. I want to say naturally we want to be able to give advice as leaders, um, but very seldom I think sometimes do we do we allow just employees to come in, listen, and allow them to leave. Um, but it's actually an exercise that I've been practicing.
0: Thank you so much Shelly. You have offered you know a tremendous amount of uh, insights and some really good tips here. Um, So as always I encourage everyone listening to you know make note of something that really resonated with you, um, spend some time reflecting on it, and then build out a few action items that you can build around that Um, And to to Shelly's point about really building and leveraging your network and supporting others, um, think about who you might enlist um, as you're working towards those actions and that progress in your own career. So thank you again, Shelly, for your time. It's been a delight to chat with you. And thank you so much, everyone on the line, for joining us. Um, We will be back here at the same time next week uh, with our next speaker. Um, So we hope to see you uh, again. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good evening. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Shelly.
1: Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.